As we work through Galatians, um, it's not by mistake that we come to a chapter entitled Children of God. And why it would be so important to understand... Have a seat on the couch, Chris. It's easier. (laughs) The, uh, The idea of understanding how to steward our children first has to come from our understanding of how much God loves us. From the position that we have in His heart. If we're supposed to be honoring to Him and and following His example, then we've got to to work at understanding it and and knowing exactly what it is that He's done in our lives. And we've talked about the Gospel quite a bit. That God understands the last two weeks I've had funerals and there's pain involved and there's grief and I find comfort in knowing that God understood how much we would struggle with that, and He chose to show us by allowing His very own Son to die. God chose that method, that depth, to show us how much He loved us. And that is at the core of the Gospel, that Jesus understood His role submitted to His Father, and allows us to have eternal life, to be children of God. That's the way in. That's the opportunity that we have. And so if we want to understand first the Gospel, we've talked about it for several weeks, but what does it mean then if we embrace that? What does it look like? What does it change? And Paul talks to the church at Galatia in chapter 3, verse 26 and following about that very thing. And there's three little things that I want to touch on in different sections as Paul talked. and In things that he tore away inside of our culturalisms to allow us to understand that he was going to do something different with our lives. That he was going to do something different with our eternities. And so... If you're following along on you version, you're already there. But if you'll turn to Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29, we'll start there. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now we talked about the promise a couple of weeks ago and the fact that Abraham was given a promise by God that he and his seed would be a blessing to the entire world. And that seed was Jesus. That He would come and that He would be a way in for us that were not Jewish at the time. That that grace would be given to us. And by grace through faith, we could accept Jesus and enter into this relationship as children. We now get to be children of God through faith. That's where it starts. That we are all 
heirs according to that promise that was instituted in Genesis chapter 12 and then followed through as we've seen it unfold in our world. That we all get to be children of God. And not only that, children get to have an inheritance. They are heirs to what God has. The specific thing in these couple of verses that I wanted to look at is that he labels three different ways in which we try to divide ourselves and make some distinction. And it must have been happening even here in this generation in Galatia. He says there are neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Culturally, you need to understand, first of all, that this this translation is the NIV, and most of them, if you take the literal translation, it says you will all be adopted as sons of God. But in our current global situation, that seems sexist. The problem is Paul needed that word there. If you read ahead, you understand that the culture at that time valued of preeminence the firstborn son. That the inheritance that the father had would be passed on to the firstborn son. And what Paul was saying is that no matter what, no matter whether you are a different culture, a different race, a different creed, a different gender, a different class... It doesn't matter. You're all adopted as sons. You will all receive the same inheritance. That's why these little words matter sometimes. It's great to think and and to expand that and say, yes, we're all children of God, but what He really means is that you have all of the rights of a firstborn son because of His Firstborn son. His son allowed you to be grafted in to a relationship as a child of God. Part of the promise that was promised in the very beginning and brought throughout time to here today. That we have to, we have to stop and the church needs to consider This is one of the most segregated hours in our world. Whether it be culturally, whether it be on gender lines, because we have fights over that now too, right? Just last week, there are churches that are in a fight over their, their relationship with the Bible about what is male and what is female, right? And that's going to come and it's going to keep coming. God says you got to stop fighting over this stuff, this cultural stuff, and realize that everyone here who has trusted Jesus is a child of God first. If we continue to divide ourselves, and they were doing it then, it's a human trait, right? To divide yourself along lines and to separate yourself into smaller and smaller groups and eventually isolate yourself, and that's when Satan is most effective. When you're isolated. So make no mistake that as we continue as a world to divide ourselves into smaller and smaller and smaller factions and find less and less support as we get further and further away, 
we're isolating ourselves and making it easier for that roaring lion whom seeks to devour. That's the picture, right? The idea that if you're isolated away from the group, it's easier to get picked off. And God continues to warn us about it over and over and over. That's why unity is so important. And it's not just unity around a building or or a certain way of doing things. It's a unity around Jesus. The idea that He is of preeminence in our world. And this offer has been made to everyone in our world. And it's us to up, uh, to us to exemplify it in a way that they are attracted to it. That they understand it. That we can articulate it to them. That we can help them as well someday understand to lay all this stuff aside to become one. Because all of us will receive an inheritance of the firstborn. We're all on that same plane inside of the way God has done it. We all receive eternal life. And it should change the way we think about things here. And that's what being a child is supposed to be like. You're supposed to be guided and stewarded by the people and the things around you. And I hope inside of the church we continue to do that. That we allow you to understand first that the foundation doesn't change ever. That Jesus is there. And then how we build upon that foundation as we've talked about throughout this book matters because it's what we're showing to the world about our foundation. It allows us to continue to to work as sons and daughters toward that inheritance. It's pretty appropriate that we just finished the child of God song and we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to sin. Why does that matter? Well, Paul talks about that because inside of the church at Galatia, this was another issue. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. What am I saying? Is that as long as an heir is underage... He is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. It was done all in His perfect time and under the current circumstance, because remember, we're in a culture here that says, yes, Jesus, but Jesus plus these rules. This is the way it looks to love Jesus, right? If you're going to love Jesus, then you've got to be more Jewish. That's what they're saying. You've got to be... You gotta have everything we do. You gotta follow our laws, our holy days, you gotta celebrate the things we do, you gotta be circumcised on the eighth day. Like they add these things to Jesus. That's the culture that Paul was talking to. 
And for a long time in the American church, we've done the same thing. We've not said you need to be circumcised, right? But we have said other things. We have said on top of loving Jesus, you've got to act and look a certain way. And we've made those behaviors sometimes more important than salvation. And Paul is saying you've got it backwards. The foundation is the thing that never changes that we have in common, not the behaviors that are built upon it. There should be a unity that comes from understanding who Jesus is, not how I want to act or how you want to act. Our unity shouldn't be found in the things we do outside, but the things that change us inside. That's what Paul is trying to get across. He's removed all the barriers. Jesus has said, culturally speaking, there are no barriers. You're all at the same level. You're all going to get the same inheritance. Now act like it. Stop judging each other and saying, you're inferior to me. It's not true. It's difficult because we're human. I get that. But it's necessary for us to show the world what unifies us. And what should unify us is our love for God through Jesus Christ lived out in a way that allows us to Minister to the needs that other people have. We don't stamp attendance cards when you come here on Sunday morning. Because it's not any good to you. Alright? Get it inside. Allow the Holy Spirit, because you are given the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, to guide you through the decisions you make each day. To think and to act more like Jesus. That's how it was planned. That's how it was designed. When he says we're no longer slaves, he literally means that we're no longer under that slavery of the law. We've been given freedom, right? The son can choose how he works. The slave cannot, correct? If you are a slave to something, then you do what the master says. If you are a son and you don't do what the master says, you're just damaging your own inheritance. That's the difference. A son understands his position in the family and says the work that I am putting in, the labor that I am enjoying, the things that I am doing is going to lend to my inheritance. That I've already been promised this inheritance and now I get to live like it. A slave doesn't have that option. As a son, you get to live in the hope of knowing that all the things I'm doing are in response to the fact that my Father loves me. If I understand that I am truly a son of God, and I really get that, 
then my life will look differently because I'm living differently. I'm not living necessarily for myself. I'm living because I know my Father loves me and I want to promote Him and His inheritance that will be mine someday. That's what Paul is saying here. That laboring in your Father's affairs is actually working for eternity. To be able to understand what adoption to sonship really is. There are good works prepared in advance for us, is what Ephesians tells us. Because of grace and faith, there are good works prepared in advance for us to do. God has already set them out there for us to walk in them. That as a result of grace and our faith in Jesus, we should have good things to do. God promised us that as well. That we get to be a part of what He is doing as a result of our sonship, of being part of His family and having received the inheritance that's waiting for us. Perhaps the the verse that I wouldn't have understood 20 years ago. These two verses, chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. You see, now I have a 20-year-old daughter and a, and a 17-year-old son and a 9-year-old daughter, and these verses ring differently. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God made you also an heir. When you have the opportunity to trust Christ, and the Spirit of God is then given to you as a result of your faith, then your heart changes. The Spirit inside of you begins to long as the Word is literally translated into our everyday vernacular to Daddy. Daddy. That our heart cries out to Abba, Father, Daddy. That we have this longing inside of us that we didn't have before. That we understand more completely who we are and how we've been designed and created. We have this longing that so many people don't know what to do with. And so many hurting people have filled with something other than Jesus. We have a longing for our Father, for our Daddy. Because we're sons of something eternal. Before we were ever created or born, before we will die, all of that is encapsulated in God's plan. 
that we are children of God that have been given the Spirit at the moment of salvation that creates this longing for something in our world. Longing for eternity. The older I get, the more I begin to understand it. (laughs) It's not a desire that I want to die. Okay? But I have something inside of me at times when there's pain in our world that I just say to myself, I wish I was with my dad. (laughs) I have the longing for eternity that, that is different. That I know is right and good. It's confusing. but it's as a result of my adoption into His family that in those moments, I just want to call out to Him. Because He's the only one that can really understand because I can't even articulate where I'm at sometimes, right? We have that opportunity through Jesus because of the promise. We're no longer slaves to sin or fear. We've been set free of that to do our labor as a result of understanding eternity. And because of that, we long for it. We long to get to the place where we receive that inheritance that's promised. That we don't have any more pain or any more tears that we get to the place where God is fully known to us. We long for eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11 Not a book that you read often, but I remember a verse and I looked it up. It's in chapter 3, verse 11, and it says that it is set eternity in the hearts of men. Inside of us, there has a longing been set for eternity inside of our hearts. A longing to be with our Father. I want you to think about something this week. In light of understanding that you are a child of God, there is no credential you do not possess. If you believe Jesus to be your Savior, then you are a son. You have received the inheritance, and by that you have then received the Spirit, and you have every right to talk to your dad. When you're hurting, when you're happy, when things are good, when things are bad. You have been given that place. And as a result, then, as you long for eternity, understand that your position as children of God gives you the opportunity to live in such a way that eternity eclipses this temporary world. 
That there is something inside of you that happens when you start your day that the temporary is, is blocked out. That eternity somehow eclipses your to-do list. That things that are to happen for eternal value eclipse those things that you think are important. We get to live that way. Because we're sons of God. We should live in response to that. To understand completely the inheritance we have and long for eternity in such a way that it eclipses our temporary desires and our temporary need for for this world and we see the needs of others more clearly because of it. So when you sing that song again sometime, understand what it means that you are a child of God. There's no more fear. You are living for eternity. You've been promised an inheritance by grace through faith, and God will not allow that to be taken from you. That you are His Son. Live in such a way that your life and the eternal view that you have eclipses the temporary things of today. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the opportunity to to be engaged in what You're doing. As we think about Your world and the creation that You have given us to steward, the opportunity we have for our own lives, the lives of our children, the lives of our grandchildren, the generations that follow, I pray that You would lead us. More importantly, I pray that You give us the strength and the wisdom, the patience to follow. That we would do it in a way that we understand eternity to be more valuable than today. That our inheritance is secure and we work today just because we know that to be true. Father, thank You for Your Word again and its promises to us. In Jesus' name, Amen.